Hi, this is Pastor Scott Stroud, and I'd like to thank you for joining us online today as you're watching this sermon series. I know that COVID has had a big impact on the church, and many people have been viewing from home uh, for three years now. And so, if you're one of those, thank you for coming and interacting with us online. But I would also like to extend a personal invitation to come and check us out here at Elam. And we know that fellowship is very important. According to the Bible, we should not uh, give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And as you're thinking about, can you come now and, and venture out and join us uh, in, in person, uh, we would like to invite you and welcome you into the fellowship aspect of our worship time. Hope to see you soon on some Sunday at 10 a.m. this sermon is the Pharisee in you, because there is a Pharisee in many of us. And I'm not trying to stand up here and call all of us whitewashed tombs. We can start the cancellation of Danny Faber to never speak at Elam again. But the first point that we're going to cover today, if you follow along in your bulletin, is how are you getting to the destination? Do you believe that you are going to heaven? The follow-up question to this is, how are you getting there? How are you getting to the destination that just about every person in the world has a desire to go to? You don't even have to be a Christian to desire an eternity in peace, a place that there is no evil, a place of eternal joy. But as Christians, we have a picture of what heaven will be given to us through the word of God. And it describes heaven as a place where there will be a home prepared for us where we will dwell with Jesus, a place where we will worship our God. There will be peace, there will be joy, and the greatest part of all of that is we get to abide in the presence of our great God. But how are you getting to this place? Raise your hand if you've ever been on a backpacking trip. Wow, that was way more than I would have thought. They're not that fun. And if you think they are, then God bless you. I actually have no idea what to say to you. (laughs) However, walking a bunch of miles with a backpack loaded with stuff you need to live isn't that appealing when you break it down. What is appealing is the destination. The most popular hike in Washington State is Mount Rainier National Park. Can we pull up that picture, please? This is the most popular hike in Washington State, and this is one of the many destinations there are to there. And it's such a beautiful place that I think just about everyone in this room would want to go there right now. Let's load up the car. Let's get to it. However, to get there, it is a 14.7-mile hike with 8,986 feet of elevation gain. Now, only those weirdos who enjoy hiking would get excited at that. But the idea of walking many miles uphill, loaded with a backpack that has gallons of water, food, cooking equipment, Tents, sleeping bags, inflatable mattresses, if you're like me. That doesn't sound appealing, especially in not ideal weather conditions. There's nothing that sounds exciting about that. But it's not the actual hike that we get excited about. It is the destination that we get so excited about. We do it so that we can get a picture, have an experience, see a view, and rest in the beauty of nature at a place like Mount Rainier. 
And just as Mount Rainier is an appealing destination, heaven is the greatest destination that we could ever be at. The opportunity of spending an eternity in peace, in joy, is something that we cannot pass up. An opportunity of spending eternity with God is something that we cannot just forfeit. Heaven is why so many people continue to trust in God even through the hardships of life because through all of this suffering that we experience in this life, all of this hardship that we go through, we have a reward that is heaven made perfect by the presence of God. But how are you getting there? Are you trying to carry your own weight, your own salvation? Or are you placing your faith, placing your heart in Jesus Christ, the narrow path? The next point, if you're following along in your bulletin, is what is the value of the lost? And if you want to open up your Bible to Luke chapter 15, I'm only going to use select verses from the entire chapter because this isn't a filibuster and I'm on the clock. If you want to... If you want to follow along through the chapter, please do so. And if you want your own Bible, there's some in the pews in front of you. But in verse 2 of Luke chapter 15, the Pharisees make a statement about Jesus who is spending quality time with the people who were far from God. The Pharisees said, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And the Pharisees had this sin complex that caused them to place themselves above the common brother and sister because they were upholding the law. The Pharisees were the teachers of the law, and they were God's chosen. The Pharisees had paid their dues in life to God by outworking a majority of the people. However, Jesus tells the Pharisees three parables, all about something being lost, And we start with the parable of the sheep, where he uses the picture of 100 sheep and losing one of them, and how the shepherds are to leave the 99 and go after the lost one. Leave the 99 that did what they were told and stayed put and followed the rules, and to pursue the one that was lost. However, the Pharisees, having the thought process that they had, in their hearts believed that the 1% of people didn't matter because those were the sinful ones. Those were the ones who couldn't measure up to the law. And the effort that it would take to seek the 1% is just not worth it. Why would somebody seek someone who hasn't paid their dues to God, who hasn't been through the grind of life for God? But Jesus didn't think this way, so he doubles down when he brings up another example, but this time of coins. If you lost one coin out of ten, would you not go seek it? And now the stakes of loss are so much higher. We are at 10% of what you have being lost. And if you checked your banking app right now, and you saw that 10% of everything you had in there was just gone, would you be washing your hands of it, or would be calling the banks up, wondering where the 10%'s at? Yet the perspective of most of the Pharisees was that the 10% didn't matter because the 90% who had been in the trenches following all of God's laws, that's who mattered, not the 10% who kept falling short, who couldn't measure up. 
But Jesus doesn't think this way. And so he triples down through the parable of the prodigal son. And we see the son take his inheritance and run off and waste it on what the Bible calls wild things. And what the older brother later refers to as sexual activities, immoral things. 50% of what the father had was gone. Yet when his son comes home to repent, the father runs to him and embraces him with open arms. He gives him a robe, a ring, and sandals for his feet. And they had a feast celebrating his return. Yet the older brother who was in the field working saw this celebration and was angry. And to read verse 28 through 32 of chapter 15 of Luke, it says this. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all of these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. If 50% of all that you had was lost, what would you do? Would you search for it? Or would you just let it go? This was the argument that Jesus presented to the Pharisees. If you lost 50% of all that you had in that bank account, we would all go find it. For some of us, that could look like $50,000. For me, it might look like $5. Who knows? But the effort of finding the 50% isn't even a part of the equation at this point. The effort doesn't matter. You will find it no matter what the cost is and be joyful when it is found. So why was the older brother so angry when his father forgave his younger brother of the 50% being celebrated? The older brother didn't see what the father saw. Taking us into our third point, the perspective of the father versus the son. What the older brother saw was the opposite of himself. He saw disobedience. He saw immorality. He saw disrespect. He saw someone who squanders the good in their life, things that he was outwardly not. He probably thought to himself, why would anybody want that? That is too far gone. But the father saw his child. The father didn't see the inheritance. He didn't see that he had a more outwardly righteous son to focus on. He had never given up on the younger son who others may have thought was too far gone. He saw one of his children was lost and needed to be found. But how often do we look down on our neighbor because of the same things that the brother looks down on his younger brother for? This sermon is titled, The Pharisee in You, because a lot of us live life and read the Bible through the perspective of a Pharisee or the older brother. The perspective, it sounds something like this. The Israelites had God's hand way too much in their lives for them to be as sinful as they were. 
That would never be me. How could David commit adultery? That would never be me. How could Peter deny Jesus three times? I would never deny Jesus. How could Judas choose financial gain over following Jesus? I could never do those things. The prodigal son was lost because of his immorality. And the older son was lost because of his self-righteous pride based on his works. Yet only one of them was found and rewarded. And it is so easy for us to condemn and judge alcoholics, adulterers, homosexuals, those who walk in treachery, dishonorable children, and anyone who disagrees with our opinions. We can send them to hell for God. But we are rarely as quick to realize that a self-righteous heart can condemn just as quickly. And we look back on figures in the Bible and we can judge them for their actions and their lack of faith and miss that we do the same thing very often. Oh, that killed the flow. We miss that we do the same thing so often. We place idols above God like the Israelites did. We lust and commit sexual immorality as David did. We deny Jesus to our friends or downplay our faith when we think someone will judge us as Peter did. We choose financial comfort instead of tithing to a ministry, missionaries, or to our church. And if we were the older brother and saw that our younger sibling did what he did, what would we actually be saying? Serves him right? He never deserved what our father had given him anyways. Family's better off without him. These feelings towards family are already way too common, and these feelings towards people are way more common. But they develop from the same thing that the Pharisees and the older brother had and what they were doing. They were trying to fulfill the law on their own. Leading us into our fourth point today, the reward of the younger brother. And I want to share a verse with you from Matthew chapter 23, verses 2 through 4. It says this, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must be careful to do everything that they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. The Pharisees lived their lives trying to follow the law perfectly. And they preached the same thing to all of the people, which is what is meant in verse 4. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on people's shoulders, but they themselves not willing to lift a finger to move them. It's like if we were to go on that hike to Mount Rainier, we're packing up our bag, and you pack up your TV in your bag, you bring the whole at-home gym, and somebody asks you why, well, I'm trying to get a pump up at the top, trying to get a lift in, trying to be comfortable once I get to the top, with my inflatable mattress, everything's going to be all good once I get there. Because I'm going to carry all this weight to the top. However, you're going to burn out. You're going to be exhausted. And that you're going to give up before you actually get to the destination with all of the weight that you are carrying. And the older brother was the same way. He had worked. He had slaved away. He had went through the grind for his father. He carried the cumbersome load on his shoulders, but he was never rewarded. 
And when the celebration for the younger brother was happening, he refused to celebrate the younger brother being found. He was angry and he stayed outside. But why? He had outworked the younger brother. He carried more weight. And yet the younger brother was still rewarded. And why was he? He did nothing but take. He only took from his father. He did nothing but sin. He didn't do anything right except that he saw that the only way home was by repenting to his father. And we take so much from God as the younger brother took from his father. And if we repent, and if we turn away from our lives led by sin, then we will see that the law was never ours to actually fulfill, and that we could never do it. The way to heaven, the ultimate reward, the way to forgiveness for the hurt that you have caused, the way of healing from the hurt that has been caused to you, finding peace in a life of chaos, It's not found by fulfilling the law. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. The younger brother found the humility to repent of his ways to his father. And he was willing to be one of his father's hired servants. And it is in the humility, within the repentance of our sins, of our shortcomings, of us not being able to fulfill the law, that we can see that it is by Jesus that we receive grace, love, forgiveness, and heaven. Matthew 5, 17 says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them. I have come to fulfill them. Jesus fulfilled the law by paying for our sins on the cross because we couldn't do it. The Pharisees couldn't. The older brother couldn't. The younger brother couldn't. None of us could do it. And neither can anybody in the world. So we have to drop the backpack of the weight that we are trying to carry to the destination. There is so much in that bag. There is hurt from your childhood. There is heartbreak from relationships, embarrassment of a career that failed, and disappointment that you didn't end up where you dreamed of being at. Drop that backpack. Don't carry it anymore. It is only burning you out trying to make it all right on your own. It's got you anchored down to the point that you can't see Jesus. But we can learn from the younger brother and recognize that the Father is who we find what we are looking for in. Jesus freed us from the curse of having to live the law perfectly, having to carry our own backpack. And if we live our lives every day knowing that the fate of our own salvation weighs in our hands, we will crumble every single day. And if we carry our backpacks all the way to eternity, we would give up before we even got halfway, before we even got started. But Jesus bore the weight of that. Jesus bore the weight of our sin so that we could walk in freedom on the narrow path. 
It's not about following every rule so that you can stand above the 1%, the 10%, the 50%. What would all of this be? We can't let the Pharisee in us turn our personal relationship with God into a competition of who can be a better person, of who can work harder to look better for God, or who can carry the most weight in our bag. And he did the work so that none of us could boast. Ephesians 2 says, for it is by grace that you have been saved. I'm going to say it one more time. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Amen. Amen. In conclusion today, guys, shed the dead weight of the backpack of your sin that you carry. When you go on that hike and you're trying to reach that destination, Run from the teachings of the Pharisees that told you, carry all of it on your own. Put it all on your shoulders. They wanted you to live perfectly by the law. Carry all of it on your own. And Jesus calls us to a different life. He calls us to drop the backpack and to embrace the only true way of healing and forgiveness that we all seek, the only true way to peace and joy in this life that we all seek. And it is found in Jesus Christ, who is the narrow path, the only way to the destination that we all want to be at, heaven. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon series from Elam. If you are encouraged today, would you consider supporting our online ministry through a financial contribution? Personal checks can be made out to Elam Lutheran Church and sent to 11504 26th Street, Northeast, Lake Stevens, Washington, 98258. Or you can give online at elamlutheran.net. Thank you and may God bless you the rest of your day.